This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Fight Back with Libby Schneimer on Zoomer Radio. Welcome back. Our politicians keep telling us that the city is still very safe for a metropolis this size. But the increasingly frequent headlines and the worries are very, very concerning. Three people killed in less than 10 hours this last weekend. A total of 63 people have died by homicide this year, according to the police, and that is just two less than in all of 2017. Now, granted, one explanation is that 10 people died on one occasion in that horrific van attack. But we've got guns, gangs, and terrorism. Are we doing enough of the right things to cope with this? Do you feel less safe than before? Is this uh, an election issue? The numbers to call 416-360-0740, toll-free 1-866-740. 4740. Right now, we are going to criminal lawyer Ari Goldkind and Dr. Ju Young Lee, who is the Associate Professor of Sociology with the University of Toronto. Hello, welcome. Thanks for joining us. Good morning to you both. Good morning. Thanks for having me. Okay, Dr. Lee, uh, first of all, is this a perception that we have because we keep hearing this head- the, these headlines? Is this, in fact, still a safe city? Yeah. And I think that one of the things that's been interesting for me as an American up here in Canada is watching how the news media is in in some ways taking a page from the playbook of media in big cities like Los Angeles and New York, where there's this motto, if it bleeds, it leads. And certainly there is room for improvement. You know, Toronto is still a city where, as you mentioned, there are, you know, 60 some odd people who have been killed this year. But from a comparative perspective, Toronto is still one of the safest big cities in Canada and certainly in North America. And I think it's important to, to always keep that in mind whenever we're consuming these headlines daily. Okay, I just want to make the point that, that here at Zoomer Radio, we have a policy of not doing if it bleeds, it leads. It's only when it becomes a big public policy issue that we take these things up. Let's bring in Ari Goldkind. Uh, any way you look at it, though, there does seem to be a spike. That's right. So let's just start from the media perspective, which I do quite a bit of. I can't fault for one second any of the major networks in Toronto or throughout Canada for adopting the It Bleeds, It Leads, because these stories are taking on a very different tack now. And I do separate out the two terrorist incidents, the incel guy, and the radical, on certain people's theory, Islamic terrorist that is couched in this term of mental health nonsense, which, you know, you and I have spoken about. But then you have the shootings in Toronto that are now broadening their horizon. And what I mean by that is that they're moving into areas that they were not contained in before. And that, and only that, in my view, is what is broadening that conversation and making the city a much scarier proposition to law-abiding citizens who are going out for dinner in Yorkville 
and there are drive-by shootings or downtown in the entertainment district where people are going to steakhouses, and that kind of violence, which is not gang violence or or drug-on-drug deal violence, that to me raises a very, very legitimate concern on the part of people, even if I agree with Zhu Young that, you know, crime in Chicago and crime in L.A. per capita is much more serious. I think that's very cold comfort to people in Toronto who are actually seeing legitimately violence move into parts of the city that heretofore have been immune to it. So well, I'll pause there. Ari, why are you saying that's not gang violence? I mean, certainly that's that's what it would appear to be, a drive-by shooting. They are definitely emboldened. Well, they're emboldened, but gang violence to me, again, this is a very specific point that I'm making, and again, I defend the kinds of people who get charged with these. Usually it's in a very specific part or two of the city. Right. It doesn't affect the average person. When it broadens, whether it's a, a gang somebody who happens to be downtown, happens to be in Yorkville. The theme here is the perception of violence. And I think the more important question always is what do our sort of gutless leaders do about it? So to me, once it starts going into Side and once it goes into Yorkville in the entertainment district and, you know, areas that have not had gun violence and not had shootings, that raises a legitimate concern on the parts of residents of Toronto and I am not a big fan of poo-pooing that at all. Okay, Dr. Lee, what do you say to that? Well, I mean, I, I agree somewhat with what Ari is saying. Um, I think it's interesting that, you know, there are a lot of people who are just now starting to care about gun violence because, as Ari was saying, it's spilling into, quote-unquote, safe areas in the city, middle-class areas, where this kind of thing doesn't happen usually. Um and I hope that one of the things that can come out of this is that the average citizen in Toronto will feel a sense of empathy for residents in places like Scarborough, Jane and Finch, and other communities that share a disproportionate amount of uh, the city's gun violence. Um, and, you know, there is this often perception that shootings in racialized, low-income neighborhoods are almost always connected to gang violence or drug dealing, but that's also not the case. That's a stereotype. A lot of times, people are simply in the wrong place at the wrong time, and I think that, you know, the kind of collective concern we have at this moment is, is very potent and powerful, and I hope that people can come together and try to come up with solutions to eliminate all gun violence across the board. Ari, do you have any confidence that the new government is going to tighten up some rules? People have talked about uh, getting bail too easily as a factor. Also, many times people bring up the the banning of carding, uh, that basically uh, where, where gang members used to not carry around their guns, they now do because they're not worried about you know, getting stopped? And I can tell you, Libby, and I won't spend too much time on the carding issue, but that is actually a fact. And you can speak to any police officer. You can speak to the least theoretically racist police officer in Toronto. You can speak to black officers. You can speak to Hindu officers, Muslim officers. And I can tell you, Libby, that certain people feel much more at liberty because they know, different than in years past because of their skin color, where they would be arguably harassed, Now they will be left alone. So there are far more people, and this is important if you're a middle-class person or a lower-middle-class person, or as Ju Young makes a very good point in the racialized communities, if you're there, but your voice is the one that is not heard above the din of media because you are not 
anti-police. You don't think the police are the devil. You're a person at Jane and Fincher in Scarborough who actually think the police have a significant role to play. And when you know, and by the way, Libby, I think a lot of your listeners will remember that a police officer put out a letter. He sort of went rogue. Yeah, I remember that not long ago. And that actually was a more important story than the 24-hour news cycle that it led to in today's no attention span day. And he sort of told it like it is. And the question that you asked about the government is, I assume you mean the Ford government, because we're a couple months away from uh, uh, the mayor's race, and we're about a year away from Mr. Trudeau winning again, which is a different conversation in itself. That being said, I actually do, as much as I disagree with a lot of what Mr. Ford does for a whole series of reasons that you're not having me on here for, I do believe in his government, in his brain, his view is that he is elected to protect the law-abiding. And by the law-abiding, Libby, I don't just mean those living in the ivory towers of Yorkville or Forest Hill or Rosedale. I think his view is, and I, I'll touch upon Ju Young's point again, all of the people in Jane and Finch, Scarborough, Etobicoke, who are members of Ford Nation, who don't view the police as the devil and actually think that a police presence in whatever form we can discuss is going to send the message that Mr. Ford is on the side of the law-abiding, tax-paying residents and not those on the issues that you just mentioned before about bail and the revolving door and people who have previous convictions for gun crimes. Uh, Dr. Lee, do we need tougher uh, legislation for gun crimes, tougher bail? We have uh, the city of Montreal coming out and saying they want a handgun ban that a lot of people in Toronto want. Would those things solve the problem? Um, So I approach gun violence through a a public health lens. And the public health lens is one where, you know, we acknowledge that there's not really a magic solution to ending gun violence, but that certainly common sense gun control laws, laws that make it harder for people who want to commit violence against other people um, using firearms is a good measure, but it can't be the only thing. And the, the, the empirical research in sociology and criminology uh, that has been shown to have the best impact on sustainable reductions in gun violence is one where you build up communities of disadvantage, where you eliminate disparities between rich and poor in a city, where you provide youth who are otherwise at risk with opportunities to, to build a good life, one that uh, you know, turns them into productive members of society, where they pay taxes, where they get a good job where they get an education. Um, and, you know, in the more interim situations, violence interrupters programs across the United States and cities with gun violence rates that are much higher than Toronto's have been very successful. These are programs where, you know, the government works in collaboration with community members who know people on the ground who can go in and help stop shootings before they unfold. So I do, I do think that, you know, taking a closer look at 
you know, firearm gun control is a good thing. Um, you know, a handgun ban might be an interesting start. You know, 60% of the homicides used with firearms are committed with handguns. But that's not a magic solution. It has to be married with a commitment towards building up these communities. Okay, well, uh, we have a lot of those programs in place, and that's uh, certainly one uh, liberal view that, that uh, you know, if we had more of these programs, it would solve the problem. We've got to take a quick break, so everybody please hang on, and we'll take some of your calls when we return. The number is 416-360-0740, toll-free 1-866-740-4740, and we'll be right back. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Fight Back with Libby Snymer on Zoomer Radio. Welcome back. We are talking about the spike of homicides in the city this year. The phone lines are jamming up, so I'm going to go right there. We've got Al in Brantford. Hi, Al. Hi. First off, I want to say I do have a handgun license. First off, now, when I took the course back years ago, the sergeant that taught it in Toronto told us that he, w- he felt safer working, he would feel safer working with anybody in that room when they finished that course than the individuals that he worked with. Because we are not only background checked, cleaned the high school, we are background checked on a daily basis. This is as a handgun owner, right? Yeah, what do you need a handgun for in a city like Toronto? No, no, I'm not saying you do. They, they just do it for sport. Okay, just, so you, you, you use it for gun. sport. But, but the, thing, the thing we're getting back to here is it's not registered handgun owners that are doing any of the shooting. You're already banning something that's illegal if they go ahead with that ban. It's well, wait a minute, a wait a minute. Unless the, you are a licensed handgun owner. The police have said that, that some of the guns that are a problem are legal guns. They're legal They're, guns that end up being resold or stolen or, or whatever it is. And I forget the percentage, but the police have confirmed that. It, it's about 2%. But they're stolen in house break-ins or robberies, which is an illegal act, too, at the time. Well, or maybe they're just sold and somebody says they're stolen. No, you're not. No, no. You're, you're checked every day. If your gun was anywhere showed up there at your doorstep the next 24 hours in the morning, that's already clear. You are randomly checked, and anything shows up with you or your I, gun. This is from police here in Toronto, so... Uh, um, some of the guns that are problematic guns are guns that have been registered legally. Okay, Al, um, anything else? Quickly? Yes, I would we- like just to say they know where the guns are, they know who's got them, but for political correctness, they won't follow through with taking them. Okay, thanks for that. Okay, uh, we're going to Al in Scarborough. Hi, Al. Hi. Please uh, don't compare Scarborough Jane and Finch. I live in the safest place in Scarborough, in Gilwood. Thank you. Okay. There you go. I think uh, that's part of the the problem, Ari, uh, is that, you know, there's all these divisions and people have, uh, you know, the people at Jane and Finch complain that there's such a negative view of them. Not everybody there is there is a criminal. There are problems in Scarborough as well. But somebody in Guildwood said, you know, don't put me in that basket. That's part of the problem, isn't it, Ari? 
Well, I thought it was an interesting, very brief comment there because he seems to think that Scarborough is Guildwood and Guildwood is Scarborough. Guildwood, which is a beautiful area for those who don't know it, with very high-end and often very expensive homes, is certainly not the geographical area that is Scarborough. So for somebody who's listening to think that that was somewhat reflective of all the issues in Scarborough, well, just go to the Scarborough Courthouse at Warden and Ellington one day and sit there. I thought the broader point, which I think you just alluded to, Libby, but I think is one that really gets lost in the telling of this, and I said it about 20 minutes ago, which is in certain communities, the loudest voices are the activist voices that scream about police being there, scream about being over-policed, yet if you, and and I give credit to a magazine called Now Magazine, which I don't agree with a lot of their politics, but they actually did this last week. You go out and talk to a lot of the law-abiding, hard-working, lovely, decent people at Jane and Finch who live in these community housing buildings that are just overrun with crime and drugs. By the way, drugs can't be out of this conversation when you talk about gun violence. And when you speak to these men and women who want to raise a family and have to take care of their kids and grandkids, you get a very different view of their ideas of what should be done and how the police have a crucial role to play. But those voices, Libby, are not sexy. They're not going to make the cover of the Toronto Star. And I think that's very unfortunate Uh, because as much as community programs are great and, you know, hugs are great, at some point there are a subset of people, Libby, that simply don't care and they will commit acts of violence. Okay, and Dr. Lee, we need you to wrap up uh, very quickly, sure. please. Sure. So, I, I mean, I agree with what Ari's saying about, you know, sometimes we don't hear the, the kind of diversity of voices in these communities, but the only thing I would say is that there there isn't a lot of good actual research supporting the efficacy of surveillance programs like carding. And my colleague Scott Wortley and Akwazi Bempa Owusu at University of Toronto have done really, really interesting work talking to young people in these communities who have been carded. And one of the, the downsides of this program is that when police card somebody that is not affiliated with a gang, they end up uh, leading to, you know, they end up damaging that relationship with that person. And, you know, the police also require community members to come forward and talk to them. And surveillance programs across the board have really had mixed results. Okay, we have to wrap things up. I'm sure we're going to revisit this conversation. People, if we couldn't get to your calls, I'm sorry. Free for All Friday is coming up. Uh, Just looking at the comment section here, people are thinking that we need more deterrence against criminals, that that really is what we need. We will revisit this, of course, I'm sure many times. Thank you very much to Dr. Lee and to Ari Goldkind. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.